0: Welcome to Cruxcast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We got ready today with Sandeep Singh. He's the president and CEO of Cisco Gold Royalties. And we talked to him about learning from the past and a pure play royalty strategy going forward, and perhaps letting the portfolio do the heavy lifting. If you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation, the topics to discussed, Sandy himself and indeed the company. You can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There's commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, including royalties. We've got training courses on there to help you with your diligence process. We've got uh, some of other interviews that we've done just to save you some time, in fact, all of our interviews to save you some time because we know you're busy people. And if you want to join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly and safe environment, free from judgment, trolling and abuse, join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Sandeep, how are you, sir? I'm good, Matt. How are you? I am magnificent. Had a great weekend and the sun is out, the spring is here. It's all Good.
1: Yeah, people are feeling a little bit better. Hopefully, it's uh, hopefully the path is clearer here in front of us.
0: Yeah, the path is clear to that beach behind you. That's that's where I hope the path, the path is clear to. It's yeah, nice. that's
1: clearly a pre pre COVID COVID scene, and using it as inspiration. <laughs>
0: it's pretty, <laughs> it's like that Feng Shui moment. Never in offices <laughs>
1: <laughs> trying to will it into existence.
0: Yeah, it'll happen. We'll, we'll we'll get there. Hey, well, um, so how's how's life with you? You've been uh, busy.
1: Yeah, always busy. Uh, we've been busy as a company. Obviously, everyone uh, has been a lot more interest in, in Gold and precious metals last year and, and so we were busy in that, uh, in that vein and obviously busy as a company with a fair bit of things we needed to do strategically, which was the focus for us last year. So, it's been good busy uh, and, and happy with, uh, with how things are going at the company.
0: Turnaround, yeah. So it was a reset
1: a reset year 2020 reset. was a reset year yeah no we we had a uh, okay. kind of inward facing um you know we had some things to do internally to to finish a, a transaction that we had started at the fall of uh, in the fall of 2019 uh, and uh, feel like we created a lot of value not not only feel like we created a lot of value' it's, it's on the tape you can look at it but that was uh, that was a key part of 2020 for us we were, all, we we're also reshaping the team which I was part of uh, coming in as, as president in January of 2020 and then taking over the the CEO role from Sean later in the year. So it was a busy year. Cool. A a quick way to summarise it.
0: Okay. Well, let's talk about Reset Year in a second. But first of all, give us that 1 minute overview of what your business is and I'll pick up from there.
1: Sure. Uh, We are Cisco Gold Royalties, uh, traded in Toronto and the NYC under the ticker OR. Uh, Currently the 4th largest uh, precious metal Royalty company in the space with a roughly 2 billion US market cap. Um, 17 producing assets currently that underpin our guidance of the uh, midpoint of our guidance this is 80,000 ounces of geos, uh, gold equivalent ounces, that's how we refer to our production. Um, importantly, that's production in uh, largely the Americas, North America, the Americas, with strong operating partners, uh, some of the best in the sector. Um, and, uh, and a lot of growth that we paid for uh, in a down market, a lot of growth that we paid for uh, in the last, you know, the years preceding 2020 when gold was $12 to $1,300 an ounce, it's now kind of coming into our portfolio. So good production, diversified, in good jurisdictions. a lot of growth on the come, and uh, quite liquid as a royalty company, uh, or as a company, uh, we trade a lot of shares on a relative basis to our peers. Um, and all that, uh, I think we, for all that, we provide one of the cheapest entry points into the royalty
0: space. Cool. Okay. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about that. So we've had a lot of questions sent in, a lot, lot of um, thoughts uh, about Cisco, Certainly one of the better known, for sure. You've had uh, people are, people know your company. That's always a good start. But it's kind of like you get a mixture of view. The basic sentiment seems to be, mining company, things are quite clever. Becomes a royalty company, becomes a private equity company, wants to be a royalty company again. Mixed messages, market doesn't quite understand what's going on. What's your version?
1: Well, I'd say all that's fair, or at least the confusion is fair. I think we, we brought maybe some of that on upon ourselves uh, in the fall of 2019 with the transaction. The transaction for those who are not familiar with it was the acquisition of, of Barkerville. Um, and so, you know, confusion, yes. But I think we're, we're getting out of that. Um, you know, we have never wanted to be as a Cisco gold royalties, anything but a royalty company. We've taken a slightly different tact, uh, because when you think back to when this company was spun out of a Cisco one, if you will, which built, you know, this team built, came Larctic Mine, sold it in 2014. I was actually an advisor to the company on that hostile defense and sale to Nico and Yamana. Um, you know, at the time it was one producing asset, a basket of five in total. Still competing with a pretty competitive group at the time, Franco, Wheaton, Royal—they all still existed. So to build a portfolio, the tact was uh, we were going to have to be a little bit different, uh, and 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 that's how uh, how this company was built, how the accelerator model came to be, how you know competing on price alone was not going to be the way to build a company, or at least a sustainable way to build a company. So that's kind of our past, and I think that history of having been an operator, now a royalty company, obviously that's That's some of what you're alluding to. Um, With the transaction in with Barkerville, again, it was a pretty simple thesis that at the time, almost five million ounces of gold, you know, an hour's flight outside of outside of British Columbia, outside of Vancouver, sorry, mattered. Um, It wasn't getting traction in the market. Not very many development stories were, if you recall, it was uh, you know 180 degrees from where we've been of late. Um, So to bring it in, you know, cost us 220 million roughly in Canadian dollars in equity uh and we lost a lot of ground obviously from a, a market cap perspective but that thesis of 5 million ounces now 6 million ounces in good jurisdiction mattering uh that proved itself almost immediately um you know the gold price certainly was at our backs we bought it at kind of 1400 dollar gold we uh spun it back out at, uh, at obviously you know it's been it's been sliding downwards but it was probably still 18 to 1900 dollar gold when we have that transaction so a lot of value created um, and we feel like we've put ourselves back into that royalty lane. So in the end, did exactly what we said we were going to do. Had the right assets needed to find the right vehicles for them uh, and put Barkerville into an entity, Cisco Development Corp run by Sean Rusin, our founder, um, where we created value and we'll end up owning less and less of something that we think is going to be increasingly more, more valuable.
0: Right. You put yourself back in the right lane, but the market doesn't necessarily agree with you. You've been fairly flat for the last year. So is this a question of a the boat is turning but just slowly? I think it's, I think the boat's turned. I think
1: we haven't gotten credit for it yet, and that's fair. Um, you know, you know, when you think back to twenty twenty, we missed clearly, very clearly, the run in the first half of the year. I mean, our peers we're all outpacing us significantly. Mind you, we still ended up being the second best performing royalty company over the course of 2020. And that was unfortunately by virtue of standing still in the second half of the year while all our, all our peers came, came kind of crumbling, not crumbling is the wrong word, but, but coming back down pretty sharply. Um, so all the things being equal, I'd say that's a win ending up, uh, second after in a reset year. Uh, but we created that value. We certainly haven't seen it yet. I'd say. Shareholders get it. Uh, I'd remind you that we announced that transaction in October, it in December. And basically, the simplification of the royalty business, the separation of church and state, as as, as we call it, uh, all of that into a down market. Um, despite that, you know, Sean at Cisco Development was able to raise 250 million dollars in aggregate to fund that business to advance it and, and create value for us, which is no small feat. Um, and uh, there's been a lot of positive catalysts on the Cisco royalty side as well. So I think we're set up. Um, and certainly think there's a lot of value to go get and hopefully in a slightly better gold backdrop we'll be able to go get it.
0: Yeah, I mean I hope the market does pick up. I guess it's a little bit of the precious metal uh market has fallen away and it's not a case of last man standing wins because that's that's not brilliant for shareholders. So tell tell me more about the things that you're implementing or have implemented that people should be paying attention to, which is gonna turn this boat around in twenty twenty one.
1: Sure. And and maybe just Quickly on your point there. I mean, yeah, momentum matters in, in all facets of life and the gold sector is no no different. So I think we are we are facing that. But I think even there, as a royalty company, you know, we can work in all parts of the cycle. So just before I answer your question, I mean, if, if things continue to, to to kind of stagnate from a gold price perspective, which they could for a little while, um, you know, we'll be able to do more transactions or we'll be able to do better transactions. We'll be able to deploy better capital out there, and get better deals. When things turn back around, we have a lot of production that benefits from it. A lot of development assets that people are, pro- are progressing that benefit from a better gold price environment. So we think we have a model that works uh, in all sides of the, the cycle. In terms of your specific question, what are we doing? What have we done? Again, you know, our um our, our baseline's kind of been set, our, our our investments were done in a in a down market. So now we're benefiting from them. So a lot of what's happening to us from a positive catalyst perspective is what our Operating partners are doing so. We've had some tremendous um, catalysts, and we'll continue to. You know, we start the year. I guess it's, it's end of March now, so it's not the start of the year. But we're at the point of the of our life cycle where I can genuinely say to you that our top three, our most valuable producing royalties, our, our top three producing royalties, all get better this year. One is Canadian malarctic where uh, I'm sure you've followed, followed the underground story there of Eni and Yamana. They've announced that construction decision. That's at least a doubling of the life and and beyond. You know, we had a flagship asset that was coming off at the end of this decade. has now been pushed off to 2039 plus with a lot of upside left in the current resource and in that uh, land package. So that is you know, a massive um, catalyst for us. It was already the highest value royalty in the entire sector, just based on the open bit. And it's just essentially doubled in value. So that's, um, I don't think there's any other royalty company that can say that their flagship asset has gotten twice as good this year. If you look at assets like Eagle for us in uh, the Yukon, which is run by Victoria Gold, they commissioned themselves last year, they're going through uh, ramp up uh, and have guided towards a pretty significant uplift for us, almost a doubling of ounces versus what we got from them last year. Mantos is another one uh, where we had all the silver off that mine in Chile. They're going through an expansion uh, that will tie in at the end of this year and our ounces will grow pretty significantly uh, off the back of that. So. That's at the top of the ledger. If you work all the way down, uh, our producing assets are generally outperforming. Um, you know, we're getting a lot of money spent on our grounds and a lot of positive catalysts. You know, mine life replacement, uh, mine extensions, mine expansions, uh, and new discoveries uh, throughout the portfolio wherever you look.
0: You mentioned something earlier, which I want to come back on, which was you know the the, the thesis around Barkerville at the time. Were you, were you part of that decision making process?
1: I was. I was as an advisor, and I guess you know what I'd say, and just to take a step back, you know, for some that, that don't know me, don't know the company, new to the role, but not new to the company, is the way I describe myself. So I've been advising these Cisco Group of companies for the last fifteen years of my mining banking career. Uh, you know, helped Sean finance. Malarctic build help them on help them on defense as I mentioned earlier, uh, and have been behind the scenes and putting most of the assets into this company uh, since it was spun out. It was IPOed in 2014 for good and bad. So I can't disassociate myself from any of it. And again, the logic was sound. Um, you know, more of a more of a shock to the shoulder base than I think any of us expected. Um, you'll have to remember that at the time. You know, everyone in the royalty space was doing a little bit, some little bit, we're doing different things for growth. There weren't a lot of transactions being announced at that point in the cycle. Franco was doing oil and gas deals for growth. Um, Wheaton had gone into cobalt. Royal Gold had gone into copper in Botswana. Um, so everyone was looking to add growth in different ways. Sandstorm had picked up hot maiden years prior. Uh, for us, you know, a small transaction relative to our size in Canada for a large asset. That we said we were going to turn into something, uh, that, that fit our model. We didn't think it was too big of a departure. But again, we can, you know, you can't fight city hall. Uh, the messaging could have been better. Um, and uh, ultimately we reacted to what our shoulders wanted us to do and, and, and we created value. We didn't exaggerate. We, we took our time, owned it for less than a year. And, and a year later, I think we're far better off than we were at that point in time from a value perspective.
0: I'm, I'm just intrigued about what you've learned. You're a relatively young guy. Okay. And I, I, I get you're, you're rated on the street, you know, as a financier and so forth. And you've been involved with the company in one way, shape, or form for a long time. But, and I, and also I appreciate you may not have been driving the bus, but you're part of that discussion. So your takeaways personally are what? Stick with the knitting or just time it right? You talk about better yeah. communication. Is it, it can't be just about better communication. It could be more fundamental well, than that.
1: Partly, well, it is more fundamental than that. So I don't want to kind of uh, dismiss it. I think it's fair to say that simplicity matters in the royalty sector, especially. It probably does everywhere, but especially in the royalty sector, it matters. Um, you know, so and I'll, I'll say this now, having been marketing the company for a year and a half or almost, um, you know, we like to think that there's all this value and that people should take the time to, to focus on it and do the work to figure it out. But the world just doesn't work that way. There's not enough hours in the day. If you describe yourself or you portray yourself as something that people find confusing, even if you don't, it's easy to move on to something else. And that's what we found in the first half of last year was at the time when all that money was coming back into the sector, coming into the sector, maybe for the first time, we looked too complex. Uh, people didn't know what to make of us. And so they, they moved, on back, uh, moved on past. I think uh, we laid a lot of good groundwork with those same people last year. We did exactly what we said we were going to do. Um, and hopefully when that money comes back into the sector, we'll be able
0: to get a disproportionate share of it. It's interesting. We spoke with Sandstorm recently and they had a similar scenario. They they did a deal in Turkey that people didn't understand the, the structure thereof and got confused and I think it hit, it hit them for 6. Oh, sorry, it's a British phrase here. It it, uh, it it hurt them. Let me put it like yeah, that. Yeah. Not- no, right. I
1: understand. I understood the cricket term.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, big fan. Um, so we, you know, we 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 spoke to them and we tried to sort of, you know, get get under the hood there a bit, sort of understand why they did it, and they've they've had to kind of slightly backtrack that thing, and and it's, it's harmed them a little bit in terms of valuation for sure. But you think if you start talking the language of pure play, people will forgive you or, with a bit of time, and obviously start seeing some of these cash flows coming in because so that's what's. Key here is the cash flow or to the business. You think that you can move past this and on to a situation where perhaps you one share price recovers, but two you're able to go and more do more deals and people support you.
1: I absolutely think so. I mean, I think that's already happening. Our shareholder base gets it. We had we obviously had some churn. Uh, you know, some people that that didn't buy into the transaction left uh, immediately. They left in a dis, you know disorganized fashion. It caused quite a bit of a headwind. But we rebuilt that over the course of the last year, and I feel like we absolutely have rebuilt it. The shareholders that are in the company now—they get it. They understand the value proposition. Um, they know where we can get to, uh, without frankly doing too much. I mean, we don't have to do too much, right? There's a lot of things we can do a little bit better, but the portfolio is real. Um, it matters. These are not also rand assets that were kind uh, of are being slapped together at the high point in the market. These are assets that were carefully selected in good jurisdictions. In the downturn, um, as well as our growth that, that can basically double our size of company over the next several years. All that still with good operators and good jurisdiction. So this this you know this asset base matters. Um, I absolutely think we'll get value from it, and I don't think we're that far from it. I think I think um, as I said, a lot of good work was done um, with new investors last year. If they go back and look at what we said we we're going to do, I think you'll find a lot of tick marks on that page. So I'm hoping that we'll be able to convert those into new shareholders and, and, and get the value of the company where it belongs.
0: Right. Okay. Well, let's start talking about the portfolio then. So what is the size of the portfolio? You mentioned a few which are significantly advanced, but what what's, right. the, what's that profile look like across the rest of that portfolio?
1: Right. So uh, as I said earlier, 17 producing assets currently, there'll be another couple that start to, to come into the fold this year, next year, uh, out of a basket of about 150 right now. Obviously not all of those are hugely significant. There'll be a lot of kind of early stage exploration assets that you know, people may or may not be working on. But 17 producing, another kind of similar set that are in the development space that are all kind of moving forward, or most of them are moving forward. Uh, and frankly, moving forward faster than they have. One of the knocks on us, if you will, has been that uh, if you looked at our development pipeline a few years ago, it looked a little early stage, uh, which is normal when you think of the life cycle of our company. We're only seven years old today, basically. So it takes time for the investments that you make to mature. But now they're coming into their own um, in a very conducive gold market, very conducive equity market where those companies are being able to raise the equity components of their their build. So that's a good news story for us that will continue to evolve. So diversified production today from a significant number of sources, a lot of growth coming online uh, without us spending a dime on it. And as well, behind that, there's a lot of good exploration portfolios. I mean, the depth of this company and its portfolio is significant. Um, You know, there are names out there that people are spending 30, 40, $50 million to acquire baskets of early stage assets. You know, we look at the back of our cupboard and we think we have better assets that we don't talk about on a regular basis just because there's no time to. So there's a lot of depth to this portfolio. And I think that will play out in the, uh, the year to come as well.
0: Okay, so I'm going to ask a little bit of detail here. I'll forg- sure. Okay. I'll forgive you. Don't have the numbers to hand, but be useful. Is what is the um, gold equivalent royalty linked resource or reserve numbers that you've got? Uh, I don't have the number offhand, but it's it's significant, um,
1: and it, it is on our website. I think the reason why I don't have it is because it is it is so big. Uh, I mean, there's there's our producing assets and all. We have some pretty chunky development assets, uh, some of which are not you know. Are not in a straight line to production, but they're they're there and they're real and they're being pushed forward by real assets. So we don't. I don't try to throw a, a total resource number at people because it can sometimes be misleading uh, if the okay. assets are not moving forward. Let's ask
0: it another way. You've got 17 cash sure. flowing, but this year, how many? Right. Okay, so um, how many stock exchange compliant 43101s or joke if you've got Aussie stuff, um, uh, reserve or resource estimates. Um, Directly on royalty claims?
1: Well, let me put it to you this way. So, of those 17 um, producing royalties, only one of them uh, would not be in a public company with a 43101 report. Uh, the one that isn't is run, is that Mantos asset I mentioned in Chile. It's an ex Anglo American mine being run by an ex Anglo American team. Uh, it's a high value, high value copper asset that's one of the bigger prizes in the private equity space. So, if you're asking, there's high level of disclosure on our core assets, not only our producing assets, but also our development assets.
0: Well, let's talk about the development assets. That's, I guess, 17, I get it. You're telling me the cash flowing, so it's that's easy, right? We'll look in your presentation and work out what that number looks like. What, what yeah. about the development components? How many of those are coming through in the next 2-years to production?
1: So that's the, the important part of the story. I mean, if you look, uh, you know, honestly, I think we're undervalued if you just look at our producing assets. So if you look at a price to cash flow multiple right now, uh, we're at the bottom end uh, just based on our, our producing assets. We have, depending on who you look at, 50 to 55% weighting of NAV to development assets. The large three and our, our peer group are, are all benefiting from 90, 90% of their value is kind of coming from their producing assets. So they're benefiting from most of their portfolio. Our weighting is about 50-50 production development. And again, that makes sense when you think about our history, we're a relatively new company, we're building a portfolio as one does you end up uh, disproportionately investing in development assets. Those are the folks that need your money the most, right? So that's what we were doing, building out our portfolio. Now that portfolio is, is that natural transition from development to production is happening. And you, as a royalty company, we really only benefit from our this fully, no surprise uh, when they're producing. So that's a pretty important facet of the company going forward. To your question, I think you, you phrased it as how many and, 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 and who, uh, look, we think we have some of the best development stories out there. I mean, we have exposure to a Cisco development, obviously, which is the Barkerville camp and the San Antonio asset in Mexico. A Cisco mining, one of our other sister companies is pushing forward the windfall asset, which is, which is 6 million ounces in all categories of high grade in Quebec. Um, we've got NSRs on uh, a South 32 asset, which is one of the best polymetallic uh, development projects in Arizona in the world. Um, so there are significant assets coming along the pipe. Um, you know, the ability to add, you know, 5 and 10000 ounces of annual geos to our production profile. So we'll have growth this year, uh, we'll have growth next year when the Mantles project kicks in. And then really in 2023 and 2024 we've got some very chunky assets that are coming into the pipeline as well. So uh, the good news is growth every year for
0: the next, for the Pacific future. Jim, but can you give me some, some sense of what that growth looks like in numbers over the next, in the next 2 years?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, that's one of the challenges with being a royalty company. It's not our disclosure. So when there's no timelines associated with it, it gets tougher. But I'll I'll say this, 80,000 ounces is our midpoint for this year. Um, Next year, we've got an additional 6,000 GOs coming from Mantos, basically, at full production. So that's a pretty big lift next year. Over the span of this year and next year, we also have assets like Mineralmos' Santana mine and First Majestic's Ermitano, each of them are a thousand ounce a year contributors, which is not massive, but, but we'll take it. Those are pretty nice contributions. So that's kind of the very near term. Uh, behind that, we've got um, production from San Antonio, which is the, the asset, one of the assets Sean is pushing forward in Mexico. That can give us, uh, based on their guidance, 9,000 ounces a year of production. Um, you know, somewhere between 2023 and 2024, it's permitting dependent in Mexico. Obviously, things have hit a bit of a backlog in Mexico due to COVID, but that's that's just kind of process. Um, you look at assets like uh, Barkerville and Windfall, or Barkerville. Let's start with that. That's another nine to ten thousand ounces a year. Probably can hit some of 2023, but but more significantly in 2024. Windfall, similar story with about six thousand ounces there. So those are. Chunky assets, all well financed, all being pushed forward. Uh, it's never as fast as you like, but uh, we'll take it. And and frankly, uh, it's it's not that far away either.
0: Right. So, so, have you got a sense? Or I don't know how you measure these things, but how many meters are being drilled across all of those all of those projects?
1: We do, and we do track it. And so, and that's another important facet of the company. So, in 2017, 18, and 19, we had a million meters a year drilled on our royalty grounds that our shareholders didn't pay for. In 2019, it's important to point out that half, more than half of that was on our producing ground. So where the impact of any new ounces is more immediate, more impactful. Um, we're still summing that up, uh, telling it all for 2020 based on the last few uh, out, you know, outputs that are coming out. And we expect that number to have grown in 2020 based on guidance that we've seen so far. We expect it to grow again in 2021. So pretty important facet of the company, uh, our grounds, especially in Canada, you'd imagine big prospective land packages in good jurisdictions, they're always going to get that expiration dollar. So we've always had it, but uh, we expect it to intensify um, uh, in the years to come as you know miners are looking to stay true to that free cash flow mantra that, that they've been on. And if you want to stay true to that, the best place you can invest dollars is on your existing asset base.
0: So, so what's the number per year going forward? Is it a million roughly per year?
1: Well, it, dep- it depends on our, on our partners, obviously, sure. we're not drilling it, but uh, I'd expect it to be higher than a million meters. I mean, we got a million meters drilled in 2019. Uh, if you're looking around, uh, you know, there's hardly any drill rigs to find and our assets are getting a lot of work done on them. You know, a few examples, I mean, the Malarctic story is growing in leaps and bounds. This year alone, East Goldie, which is the high grade portion of that mine, where 70% of the ounces from the underground are, are derived, we have a 5% royalty on it. This year alone, uh, they're putting 80% of the drilling that's gone into it historically. So almost doubling the amount of drilling that's gone into that asset historically in one year alone. Uh, Alamos Gold, we have a royalty on the island mine in Ontario. They grew resources when they, uh, reserves and resources grew, reserves by 8%, resources by 40% when they last came out with their numbers in February, I believe it was, or maybe it was March. And they've put in a, a plan into place to spend about 25 million US, if I remember correctly, on that asset just this year. So a lot of drilling on our ground. And I think one of the things to point out, Matt, is you know, as a royalty company, that's really the, the the torque of a royalty company. That's why some of our peers can trade at the multiples they, they have historically is uh, there's always a, an asset coming along that's getting better. There's always a mine life that's being extended. There's always a new discovery somewhere. And we really haven't had the benefit of that as a royalty company being so new. You know, when you when you take on new exposure to an asset, you basically pay for some version of what that asset is, right? Some negotiated version of what that asset is. And only thereafter, as time passes, and more work is done on that ground, we benefit disproportionately as a Royalty company because we don't have any defining costs or extraction costs after we've put on our exposure. And so we're now into the phase of our company being a little bit more mature, uh, being more advanced than we have been in the past, that we're getting the benefit of that and we're seeing it across the the board in our portfolio.
0: So talking of keeping the message simple, which is what you want to do. You want to make it simpler for people to understand the story. Are you going to be doing many new deals this year? Or is it time to just sit back and see what your portfolio can do for you?
1: Well, the good news is we don't have to. The good news is we can afford to be disciplined, I think, more than anybody else in the sector for a variety of reasons. One is um, we deserve a better fate, we think, in our minds, at least. Uh, So we're going to focus on getting the value out of our existing portfolio. Second, um, we've invested in growth and, and, you you know, you can argue We had to because we were a new company, or or we got lucky, or we chose to. But we've invested in growth prior to 2020. Those three years prior, we invested more in the royalties sector than anybody else in the entire peer group, including our much larger peers. So we've we've kind of spring loaded ourselves for growth, and we did that in 12 to 1300 dollar gold price environments. We're also a size of company at 80,000 ounces of annual geos, two billion US market cap, where we don't need to do massive deals to show growth. We can still. We have a lot of growth. We can double the size of our company by doing nothing. We can incrementally add uh, nice exposure without having to to break the bank. So, discipline is the way I would describe it. Um, we can grow by doing nothing. Uh, our peers need to deploy capital, and they need to deploy increasing amounts of capital to grow. Uh, we'll find the right balance between uh, you know all the different ways we can allocate capital, which is dividend, fib, uh balance sheet, and growth.
0: Right. So. I'm intrigued by the changing nature of the company's makeup. I'm talking about the you. People who have come along with you. For some recent appointments. It's all finance-led, so which tells me something that you know you need to kind of get the house in order in a way. Um, but at the same time, you're still going to need to understand um, if you're going to do M and A, if you are you're going to need people to be able to you know, validate and check and go, these are good projects to put, be putting our money into. So is that sure. all? In, is that still in-house or is that not well, going to be outsourced? Well, let me say this. We are going to do deals. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Like we are in the Royalty allocation business. What I'm, my point is we're going to be disciplined about it. We're going to look for good deals. I mean, there's no shortage of transactions How? out there. to do. How do you, that? Do, you do that? Uh, well, look, we did that last year. I mean, we 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 did smaller transactions, but we added growth in the producing space. We added exposure to Island. We added exposure to Lamac. We did a transaction with Regulus Resources, which is big optionality, long dated but big optionality. Uh, in the span, in, in what we created with with Cisco Development, we added twenty thousand ounces of geos in time when those two assets are in production. Rather than paying half a billion, which is the going rate for that, we got paid half a billion to take it. So I think we we've done some things. But there, we'll, do, we'll, we'll invest in growth the way we always have. I mean, on our worst day, I think we're more technical than, than, our, than our peers are. I mean, you can't throw, you know, uh, a hand sanitizer bottle in the office without hitting a geologist or an engineer. I mean, that, that's the DNA of this company. The fact that we have split the team in two does not mean that we don't have access to the people in, in the company to, uh, to diligence and, and run our business. And then also exposure to if we need a specialist, we need a tailings expert. One exists. They sit a floor lower than us. If we need a metallurgist, one you know, there's one two that we have a history with that we can go tackle. So we've got all the people in the house that we need to do our work, and then we have you know access to people around us, and then we can also go external to to go use consultants. One of the things that that shocks me in in the space is how the over reliance on external consultants, frankly. And and again, anybody that knows the Cisco Group knows that mining is in our DNA. I mean, if if you don't think we have technical people, you know, think again, they, they exist, but the over reliance on consultants has always shocked me. I mean, I think, you know, we've been criticized in the past for carrying too big of a technical team. And I think they, they, they pay for themselves tenfold, um, you know, having that continuity of team, looking at all, at all the opportunities you look at, so you can compare and contrast as opposed to hiring one consultant here, or one consultant there, knowing the caliber of our team, such that. You know we know the we know the people that are looking at it. they've built minds themselves. you know these aren't people that are just doing desktop exercises. And when you use a consultant, frankly, uh, yes, some of them are great, and you can get the a team, but you can also get the d team. You can get you know the the last person to graduate in that class um and the, and the, when you look at it today, I mean um, with how hot the sector is the the intensity of projects moving forward these consultant firms are the, the first people to get poached in terms of, of their people, and they're moving back into interest industry in pretty significant ways. So, um, no, we've got all the folks we need in house. We prefer to keep them in house or close to us. If ever we need uh, a specific expertise, we'll go get it externally. We always have. We always will. Um, but uh, but that's not a you know that's not a a problem for us at any point.
0: It is hotting up. There's a lot of new entrants in in the marketplace. There, are, yeah. uh, there's some train wrecks waiting to happen in the marketplace. There are people creating competition, competitive tension in the marketplace, and may cause you to overpay. So how do you stop yourself from doing that?
1: Well, I think if you look at 2020, you'll, you know, the proof's in the pudding. We did stop ourselves from doing that. I mean, we, we didn't overreach for assets. Uh, and again, partly, you know, I'm fortunate that I don't have to. I mean, I'm fortunate that the team spent so much on growth that we can rely on it. Um, and. No it has to be you know it can't be growth for growth's sake. Yes, we are in the capital allocation business. we need to allocate capital, but we need to do it at the right time in the cycle and and the royalty sector is a down market stre- stre- uh, you know business model. you you put more capital to work when people need it, and then you have to be willing to take a breather and benefit from your existing transactions when they don't. I mean, the biggest competition for us is not so much the smaller scale, the newer entrants that you're referring to. I mean we have so much, Exploration development um, upside in our portfolio already that we don't feel like we get credit for. We don't necessarily need to go add that, uh, or at least pay up to add that. Uh, we'll, when we find value, we'll 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 take it. Uh, frankly, we don't participate in too many auctions for early stage assets. If we tack on early stage exposure, it usually comes through our technical trap lines. Back to the earlier comment, I mean, we have got so many geologists that have kicked rocks around the world. Um, if they've got a geologist buddy that finds something, we're liable to get the first call. So that's how we pack, we, we tackle the, the back end or the early stage portion of our portfolio. The competition really is from equity and, and debt markets. It's, you know, because the bigger players, the people that can deploy real sums of capital is the same, really has been the same for some time. So what you're competing with is equity and debt markets. And that's frankly completely normal. That's, that's what happens in these points in the cycle. So you have to be willing to bide your time. Uh, and uh, there's certainly a lot of opportunities out there. Certainly a lot of people wanting to sell streams and royalties. That doesn't mean we should be there you know, um, to catch some of those babies. So uh, I think it just comes back to, to balance.
0: You know, cash is cash. And there are lots of options in a market like this for companies for sure. Do you think that's uh, going to change the, the, the shape of royalty companies going forward? Or are you going to have to think of new ways mm-hmm. of competing? Well,
1: we, we we've always had newer ways of competing. <laughs> sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't, Matt. So I think for us, you know, we, we're happy with where we are today. There's a lot of value in the portfolio, um, and we want to stay in that lane. It's, it's taken a good amount of work to get us back in there. Uh, so don't don't try to tempt me too much, Matt. Um, but uh, the truth is, you know, there's always ways to allocate capital in this business. It's a capital-intensive business. There's always new stories as the gold price picks up. You know, certain certain you know new projects get green lit, so we're always going to find uh, opportunities to deploy our capital. They just have to be the right ones for us.
0: Okay, let's talk about cash flow. What's your cash flow now, and what's the growth profile look like?
1: Sure. So at uh, eighty thousand ounces this year of geos, if you take a current gold price assumption uh, at ninety-seven percent margin, mind you, because we have more free ounces than cheap ounces, more royalties and streams, that should spit out. About U.S. 130, 135 million uh, of cash margin to us, um, and from that we pay our dividend, we run our business, and everything else is discretionary for growth. Um, and as I said, we've got growth assets, so another 6,000 ounces coming from Mantos alone next year. Uh, other things that are coming down the pipe. So excuse me. Um, so uh, the point is better than uh, peer average growth for the next, you know, uh, next four, five, six years.
0: What does that look like in terms of reserves only basis versus resource? And what I'm trying to work out is how much are you attributing towards exploration?
1: So maybe I'll answer that differently because again, I don't have that number at my fingertips, but the point is our producing assets are growing on a reserves only basis. They're also growing on a resource basis, but the reserves underpinning our assets are also being extended, significantly grown and extended significantly. So our Our production base um, is very sound. I mean, when you look at, when you think about it, and it's not, it's not rocket science. When you think about Malarctic, in terms of what's happened there on the underground, that's that goes straight to the bottom line. Um, Eagle is a brand new mine. It's just started, just commissioned last year. It has a full mine life ahead of it. Mantos, our project there, has a production profile out to 2035. Uh, You know, Island is growing in leaps and bounds. Uh, the work that Eldorado has been doing at Lamac is growing, they've added uh, ground around them, all that's on our Royalty grounds as well. So when you look at the portfolio, there really aren't any short mine lives, if that's what you're driving at. And then on the resource side, obviously in this gold price environment, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of upside there as well.
0: I wasn't driving at that, I was trying to drive at how much of you attributing to you know long, long lead Items like expiration, but I can drive at uh, I can drive it no, no. now. So you sorry, <laughs> let me
1: let me let me let me uh, let me actually answer your question then. No, look, that's those are ounces that exist. Right. Those are ounces that are on the books now in the reserve category. The growth is coming off of reserves and resources, obviously. But uh, but those are all real ounces uh, that exist today. The, okay. the, you know, the up, the upside would come thereafter.
0: Right. So now let me drive at the thing that, that then, which is what is the duration of that cash flow again. You know, reserve versus, versus resource?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I'd say there's very few short mine life assets in our portfolio. So we don't see longevity being an issue uh, at any point. We've got 10 plus year mine life in all our core assets, probably closer to 15 on our core assets. Malarctic is, is circa 20 and it's growing in, in significant ways. So, uh, no, we've got, uh, we think, mine life exposure that matches the big three in the space, kind of you know, on a reserve basis around 15, 14, 15 year mine life. The resources are all uh, additional upside to that. And all, again, I, I'd say you know we're on some pretty important overall to the sector land packages um, that are always going to get that disproportionate expiration dollar. Um, and so the upside beyond what's currently on the books is pretty significant.
0: Okay, let's talk about organic growth. And this is a tough one because you know you're, you provide royalties and, and some streams, but you don't really have a saying what the company does or how it reports or what it focuses on at any one time. It's it's you are Informed, but at the same time, you can't give guidance on their behalf. Although some do try, believe me, that's what I've <laughs> learned over the last two weeks. I, in fact, it's been, I've been, it's been lucky enough to actually inform the company of what they're going, how many ounces they're going to be producing. Yeah, we it's good news, we,
1: right? we, we, we try not to, but uh, <laughs>
0: it happens. It happens. Like, um, so let's talk about organic then. Um, you know, so I mean, it's a youngish. Company, I don't think you're going to be able to claim that for too much longer. Even though you're new, is you know what is the organic track record here? You know,
1: well, I mean, we talked about it earlier. I mean, the, the organic track record is is significant. I mean, I don't know of too many other companies. Yeah, we're we're youngish. You know, we're you know we're a teenager, I guess, if you if you want to use an analogy. But I don't know too many companies that can tell you that they have the assets bought and paid for that will double their production, and I mean in a significant way. Obviously, there's startups that are moving up and they're. Some of them are doing a much better job than others, but you, know, you can grow at that kind of pace when you're, when you're a $50 million company or a $100 million company. But to be a $2 billion US market cap company and say that we already have the assets bought and paid for um, to become you know, a 2X of where we are today. Uh, and just based on development, you know, various stages of feasibility or studies, feasibility and construction, not looking at the, the back of the cupboard where all the expiration assets are, Some of which are getting significant work. Um, You know that's pretty significant organic growth, I think. Um, So uh, we think it's pure leading, frankly.
0: Okay, and I suspect I know the answer to this, but I'll I'll ask it anyway because you weren't able to answer earlier. But is if I look at your organic profile for um, development companies, so companies that are in development will be in production in the next two years. You kind of talked loosely around that one. Do you think that there's going to be any additional organic component contributed by them in terms of other work within their portfolios? I mean, how do you get a oh, sense look, of the size the, of the opportunity ahead of you, I guess, what I'm trying uh, to get at.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, those companies are not standing still, um, you know, so they're getting better, they're getting bigger all the time, or they should be, if, you, if you've chosen correctly, and I think we have. So, again, to stay, you know, in the family, if you will, uh, Barkerville in 2019 had 4.4 million ounces, give or take, they currently have six. Um, you know, you spend $20 million U.S. Uh, in expiration at Barkerville and you get a million ounces, half inferred, half MNI. Um, until that stops being true, Sean's not going to stop doing it. So the upside there is significant. There's an 80-kilometer camp or two, two, two strike lengths that make up 80 kilometers of trend, um, and that will continue to provide a ton of exploration upside, we think. At Cisco Mining, again, the family in Quebec now, high grade in Quebec, that's at 6 million ounces uh, and, and and every drill hole adds. So the point is our, our development assets are growing all the time. I think the growth there is nice. You know, We'd like them to continue to grow. The most important thing they can do for us is get into production because they already have long mine lives. Uh, obviously, we expect them to continue to add to that, maybe get bigger from a throughput perspective, but the, the biggest component uh, that that can a value that that can derive is just getting it to production because we just don't get real value for development assets until they're producing.
0: Right. Okay. I mean, I had a bunch of questions around that, but I think that we'd be saying the same thing. We'd end up talking sure. about the same, same stuff, but I'll leave it. So, looking at um, produ- producing assets, the organic com- component, which we, we kind of danced around there, I think, as well, uh, and trans- yeah. transactions, which we talked about loosely. Do you have a, a view in your head about 2021 as a percentage? of your value, what that looks like today and what you want it to look like at the end of the year. If you had to break it down uh, how, how much we might spend this year, you mean? No no, this is specifically about right today, you're undervalued against your peers. You've told me that. And yeah. I think well done. You need to say that, you've done it. Yeah. But therefore you've got a view today of where you think that value lies within the portfolio. Of companies. So, what do you think? Do you think that at the end of this year that will look pretty much the same, or do you think that you are going to try and shape uh, it differently and try and maybe create more value from sort of the rest of the portfolio?
1: Look, I think the portfolio, I mean, the biggest thing, honestly, I can do or we can do as a group is to get out of the way of the portfolio and let it speak for itself. I mean, you know, Malartic, you know, the fact that we're still trading at the same share price as we were before the Malartic uh, expansion, not expansion, underground uh, construction was announced is is a bit of a farce. (laughs) So, um, you know, that that's a huge amount of value. Um, The fact that we are trading just based on I mean, you can zero. uh, We own a billion dollars of equity by the way, we didn't talk about, you could zero that out entirely. And it's still, because as I mentioned earlier, we're still trading at the lowest price to cash flow metric in our peer group. All that is, is current operating assets and current market cap. So um, that ignores that 50% development weighting, it ignores a billion dollars of equity. So I think, you know, who's to say where that value will come from, but our point is we want to unlock it. um, And
0: I think we're on the right path to doing that. Well, tell me how, tell me how, because we've, we've talked about a bunch of stuff and if I'm listening, yeah. as, a, as a retail family office here. I'm trying to break it down in terms of what you, the new guy here, I know it's October, it's still new-ish, uh, yeah. is actually going to do. And when those things start to take hold and t- take effect and actually just change that course more significantly, I need an
1: No, it's funny. And, and, you know, you, you're right. Inflection point is an interesting question to ask and a way to phrase it because I don't think there is necessarily an inflection point needed, uh, which is a bit of a weird thing to say, you know, I expect all this value without doing something, you know, significantly different. And, and the reason for that is I think we did that. We had that inflection point in October. Uh, you know, we spent all year with this cloud above us, which was, um, you know, the company's a hybrid. Uh there's CapEx risk, there's OpEx risk because they're gonna go build uh Barkerville, because Sean is at heart a miner and he loves the asset and he's gonna do it. And it doesn't matter what he or Sandeep say, that's what's gonna <laughs> happen. Um and the way we resolve that is um, you know, now the answer is Sean is a great mine builder and he is gonna build it and he's gonna build it here and he's gonna finance it here. So I think that was the massive catalyst. Um Anyone who's looking at us now should not hopefully see complexity. They should see uh, a significant royalty company with royalty assets that matter. A lot of growth that's paid for royalties and streams. And by the way, we own a billion dollars of equities in other public companies, and we will take money off the table and reallocate it towards our royalty business. To me, that's not overly complicated. I think you know, the passage of a little bit more time convincing people that need further convincing that that's the case. Uh, staying on point and on message, maybe taking some money off the table as a last proof of concept that we are sep- uh, uh, money off the table. I mean, on, on, on that equity book on a fiscal development in particular, um, and proving that we have separated that church and state is really the only thing left to do. And, and outside of that, I think the royalty portfolio will provide the catalyst on its own because it is, you know, we, we cannot direct that portfolio. We've built one that matters. It's important. It's good assets, good operators. Uh, letting them do their work and benefiting from it, that's uh, that's what's going to unlock this value. And then if we can add to that incrementally, which I think we will uh, on external growth, great, but um, we don't need to uh, to get to where we think we're going.
0: But isn't that part of the problem, that separation of church and state for you guys, because having been miners, got into the Royalty gig, done a few, took a few wrong turns along the way, and you're, you're trying to talk to me about this pure play Message is cleaner communication in the marketplace. Wouldn't it be better for you if you did take take away that relationship or perceived, you know, relationship with the mining component and you know cash in some of that those equities?
1: Well, it is. I mean, the the relationship is you know divorced. Obviously, we're we're there's a lot of overlap, but there's a mining team building assets within Cisco Development. Excuse me. There's a royalty team, uh, and we had all the people in the house to staff both, which obviously also, also resulted in a significant reduction in GNA and a streamlining of the company. But that's aside, you know, we have split the company. So on the asset side, Sean is running that company, creating value. I'm running a Cisco royalties, uh, creating value, hopefully within our, our royalty business. The, the equity portfolio, it is the only kind of question I get left, uh, Matt, you know, is when will you reduce? How will you reduce? And frankly, um, we're not too descriptive as to when and how, but we have said that we will, and and that that's the last piece of the puzzle. If if that's the last proof of concept that's required, we'll provide it. But ultimately, again, you can zero that out, and we're still trading cheaply. So I see that as an asset. I don't see that as a, any kind of liability. But
0: I, I do, and I do want to talk about multiples and so forth, and whether the rest of the industry is, is being valued. I, I do, but I just want to yeah. deal with this some more because sure. the. There's a kind of muddying of. I get that you've separated out. And Sean's gone to do mining, and you're you're in charge here on the royalty bit. But in people's minds, the perception, the optics in the marketplace, is that it is the same thing. You're using some of the same people, and therefore the decision making becomes grey, and not clear and not concise as you want to be with the marketplace. Is there danger of that? There
1: shouldn't be. Um, look, I mean, perceptions matter, and so I take your point, and, and we're working on combating those. Perceptions. I think you know we've been knocking down one after the other for the last year and a bit. I mean, anybody who had uh, had said to us, uh, or if I had said to you in January of 2020 that there was that much value uh, to unlock in Barkerville and Sean was going to be running a mining company by the end of the year, I was going to be running the royalty company. Mind you, I, I just come in as president in January of 2020. I think you probably would have said. Uh, that's the at the load of BS, but that's exactly what we did. So we have created a lot more separation than I think people would have given us credit for at the start of 2020. Um, continue on that path is a lot easier than what we accomplished last year. You know that 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 the, the way we completed that transaction in October and December of last year was significant for us. Um, continued, you know, steps along that path are just going to happen with time. If people need to see them to believe them, that that's that's fair enough. Um, but I don't see that as any kind of uh, real risk to how we're running the royalty
0: company at all. He's the chairman of your company, right?
1: Yeah, no, and he's the founder. I mean, he's he's an important guy. I mean, he we wouldn't have we wouldn't have a five percent royalty on Canadian Malartic if he first hadn't built the mine, found it, built it, sold it, and and and, and and structured the royalty. So. And there's value in in Sean uh, being chairman of our company. Uh, the greatest value he can create he can create for us is on a Cisco development in terms of putting those mines to production. Um,
0: but he doesn't well, need to be I chairman know. of your company to do that. Is my point. You know, he can still be a share big shareholder. He is the founder. I get all the history. Yeah. I'm talking about clearing up the the confusion in the marketplace because you've got as you say you've done a lot of things to to change this to make it better to turn the ship around, as it were. And can you know compete in this marketplace as a, as a you know real royalty company? Do you not think that would be quite an important? piece to sort out.
1: I don't particularly. I mean, look, the, the truth is, this, none of these group of companies exist without Sean. Uh, he's created an awful lot of value in 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 the space in the sector. There's an awful lot of people that see him as an asset. I'm one of them. Uh, there's an awful lot of people that want to work with us because it comes with the, the Sean Rusin factor. So. Uh, in the mining space, the people that we're trying to allocate capital to, they certainly see us as um, a partner of choice, and, and Sean's part of that. So I, I see it as an absolute asset. And, and look, I mean, he's focused. His day to day is running a Cisco development. That's um, and and look, he is energized in doing it. You know, the the people that you know had the view that you know he's really a miner at heart, and that's what he likes doing. You know, there's there's a fair bit of truth to that, and he's doing a really good job of of knocking. Geologists and mining heads together and getting the right answer. Uh, he's behind the scenes on a Cisco royalties. He's there if I need a, a sanity check on a certain asset, uh, a relationship with somebody in the sector that uh, you know he's uh, he's crossed paths with, and that's what you know. That's what your board and your chairman should be there to do. Okay. Um, so it's no different, no different than than anybody else really
0: maybe but you've you've got you've got, a, you've, got a, you've you've got a very different uh, recent history so that, that's why that's well, why I asked, a, a, that's a, why a, I've been asked I've been asked this question a lot you know people yeah. do think about it people do talk about it and I want to know you've considered it and then made a decision and that's fine but if it's no we'll just carry on as usual don't worry about it well it's i mean I'll, I'll say this
1: the, the point is a fair one i mean uh, our recent history is muddy uh, and that's, you know, at least in some people's mind, not not so much ours, but what we think doesn't matter, <laughs> what people think of us matters. Uh, and I think if you take a step back and you look at what we've achieved in the span of a year and a year and a few months now, it's frankly exactly what we said we we're going to do uh, when we announced that transaction um, created a lot more separation than I think anyone would have given us credit for. So we're hopeful and I think we I firmly believe that we'll get credit for it. Can we continue down that path? Sure. You know, uh, again, that transaction was announced in, De- in October or closed in December of last year. So, you've got to walk before you run. But I think we've been walking towards, uh, and frankly, hopefully, jogging towards a pretty good outcome here.
0: Okay. What are you trading at versus your cash flow?
1: As I said, uh, well, sorry, I didn't, I didn't give you a number. I think we're trading at about thirteen, fourteen times
0: cash flow right now. Right. Do so you think that's Next reasonable?
1: And sustainable it is the low it's the lowest end uh, of our peer group we've traded higher in the past uh, it ignores the entirety of our development uh, weighting it ignores a billion dollars of uh, equity investment so I think it's certainly sustainable on a price than nat- net asset value we're trading about 08 times consensus nav and we're covered by 15 brokers pretty much everyone who covers the mining sector um, that's not always been the case I mean we're trading like a development company right now so it is pretty pretty ridiculous. Yeah.
0: At times you're trading training like a mining company.
1: Well, worse, t- trading like a mining development company. So that's the, that's the challenge at hand. Uh, it's one that we firmly have a handle on. And again, as I said, weird to say, but genuine believe that we don't have to do too much different to get to a better outcome. A little bit of um, further simplification, maybe the pursuit of boredom, uh, I like to call it internally, uh, and letting our assets speak for themselves, I think, will go a long way.
0: What's the payback time?
1: What do you mean by payback time? I don't want to make well, sure well, we're not getting lost lost in translation. Right, as
0: as as in you've spent a you spent a whole bunch of money so far. I get the, oh, okay. the thousand and securities, etc. So you know, it's, yeah. it's some, I know you've got what, zero debt at the moment. Is that true? No, that's not true. We have just to answer your question specifically. We have a four hundred
1: million Canadian in debt, a uh, hundred million plus on the balance sheet in cash an undrawn credit facility to do with uh for growth, whatever we choose to do, and that billion dollars of equity. So on a net cash basis, if you add the equities, which I admit are not liquid today, but you know, the intent is to chip away at them, we're definitely very net cash positive. If you're asking me when's the payoff, so to speak, uh, you know, which is maybe more North American jargon, um, I think this year. Like I think we did all the right things last year. That was the reset year, as I called it. Uh, we have to get value in the portfolio um, this year. We owe it to our shareholders, and we will do everything in our power to do that.
0: Brilliant, Sandeep. Appreciate your time today. Nice run through. I know we, we've spoken with Sean previously, but it feels like a, a new yeah. start. Uh, so I wanted to hear it from you, Lips, your version, and uh, get a view of how you see the future. So appreciate your time today. Stay in touch. Pick up the phone when there's something to say. Okay.